0: world has been turned upside down. The antidote for this is connection and honest conversation. No Simple Disruption is a collaboration between John Medesky and Jeff Firewalker Schmidt of Saint Disruption and No Simple Road. We are providing a forum, an elders council, to amplify and give a platform to young poets voices. We believe when these voices are heard, They can create change and serve as a bridge between the generations. We hope you enjoy. This is Aaron Schaefer. I am the creator and host of No Simple Road. And what you are diving into with us right now is No Simple Disruption. That is a collaboration between No Simple Road and St. Disruption. Uh, I have my two co-hosts here with me. Mel. And this is Apple. Before we get started, I just wanted to lay down the space for what we're going to be doing today. Um, You know, in in a space where the content is controversial, I think it's really important for us to kind of just establish where we're at in conversation, and uh, it's my hope and prayer that this space is safe for everybody that's here, a place without retribution or reprisal. It's a place where we can freely share in dialogue and conversation about things that are important, that matter, that mean something to us and make us feel as human beings more connected and more a part of. Because it's deeply lacking in the world we live in today, that sense of togetherness and connection. And um, I don't think there is a better inaugural poet than who we have with us today. Um, I wanna welcome Michaela Cabot to No Simple Disruption. Yeah, Michaela, how's it going?
1: Doing well, doing well. How are you?
0: I'm awesome. So, Michaela, part of the thought with No Simple Disruption was that when a particular piece is chosen, uh, John and Jeff from St. Disruption are going to paint it sonically. And then we asked the person who created the piece who they would most want to talk to in the world about their creative process and what they're doing. And who did you who did you pick?
1: Well today I um, I invited Rising Appalachia, Leah and Chloe, um, and their music has been a large part of my household and a large part of um, my community kind of growing up and so I feel like I've spent a lot of time with their music but I'm excited to spend some time with them today.
0: And the other two that we, you know, are kind of lurking in the shadows over there in the back. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves for everybody, Jeff and John?
2: Well, I'm John Medeski. I am a musician. I work with Jeff and Saint Disruption and then this idea of, uh, because we both love, uh, you know, art of all kinds and poetry and, and just hearing these words and then, you know, putting some sound
3: to it has been really a treat, you know, here, wow. here,
0: Yeah, for, for us too.
3: So I'm, I'm Jeff Firewalker and um, the other co-founder of St. Disruption. I um, I guess by trade, I'm a, a what my friends refer to as a virtuous disruptor. I like bringing people together that are far more talented and smarter than I to do amazingly fun and hopefully useful things.
0: Having Michaela's piece be the inaugural one, uh, it was, it, for me, upon hearing it for the first time, it was... The, the word that comes to mind for me is striking. It really made me see things differently than I had before through her eyes.
1: So here's my poem. It um, originally started out of this little thought bubble named Injustice. Um, <laughs> but here we go. Our deepest apologies. Our thoughts are with you. Signed, the land of the free. I'm sorry for your children. The ones who woke up in cages, the ones shot dead in the pages of their school books. Sorry. For the children who weren't quite able to escape, too afraid to start a wildfire by saying it was rape, I'm sorry for your children. The ones in Puerto Rico, in Flint, don't know where they went in the media. They were forgotten, more like dismissed, they will be missed. Our apologies. Sorry for the black children on the wrong side of a gun, wouldn't dare to move, but couldn't run. Sorry too for the shooter in blue, sorry he had a badge too sorry and sorry for the children on the streets and those missing half their meals this week god bless them god bless every country weak in our comparison god bless the american And God bless all those souls on the edge of society, each a model for propriety, working three jobs just to survive, their needs pushed aside in the shadow of their enslavers. God bless all those who are braver than I. Sorry for your children and your children's reality. God bless them. God bless the land of the free.
0: And so, Michaela, I'm I'm just curious for you, what was your intention when you set out to, to make this piece? Was it just like you were pouring out what you saw and felt, or did you have a mission in mind?
1: Um, A little bit of both. You know, I feel like growing up, especially during these times kind of surrounded by the growing media and um, growing social justice movements, is I feel like from the very beginning I've been... Um, very surrounded by um, the issues that are coming up now and even years ago. Um, And so my initial kind of purpose of this piece was to discuss that, um, to kind of give voice to the things that um, seem to be floating around so commonly these days, but also to kind of express the experience of seeing all of these things on the media and also almost the helplessness um, in some ways, feeling young or feeling um, kind of separate from everything else that's happening and just kind of the need to observe that and support the people that you see who are suffering, but also feeling unable to. So Leah and Chloe, um,
4: what's your take on the poem?
1: We love the poem and her
5: work. Spoken word has always been just really poignant in our work as well and hearing poets. We're musicians, but you know, the the lone verse in a room is so stark and special um, and we've woven it into our work. So there is some, um, I don't know, some similar ties that we could hear in your voice um, in some things that we and Leah especially had written when we were A little bit younger and first starting out and um it's just really beautiful and poignant and important to hear Mm. your voice in these times and the poet's voice in these times as we know from some of the modern poets and um movements that that is a really important art form so it was it was an honor that you chose us to come talk to you and we we look forward to hearing more about you know the inspiration and the the meaning behind the words that you chose. They're very strong, very important.
0: Mm. And John, um, you know, no small part of the finished piece is, you know, what you and Jeff have sonically painted this thing with when you went to do that, I, I really curious what your process was, what your thought process was behind how you put the sounds together and what feeling you were trying to bring across
2: the musical end of the thing is what's is the part that's kind of in between the idea and emotion and and for me the it was about bringing out more of the emotional a lot of it has to do with the power of the poem and i think it's just what everybody here has been saying you know that it that it's a young woman writing this poem is really important for me
1: this poem was not written with the purpose of wrapping things up nicely because honestly this entire poem is kind of a cry for help this absolute look at how unjust things around us are these days and right now although no matter how comforting our words are no matter how appreciated the kind thought is we we really need to approach this as something that is requiring change absolutely right now and I think to to wrap this poem up musically in any way that Gives the audience um, kind of a resolution would take away from that.
2: The music just came from really the poem itself, the chords. I you know I just what, you know what what I what, what I did was I recorded these certain chords that to me were just coloristic impressions of what I felt at different points in the poem, and I recorded them backwards so that they're actually playing backwards in the track.
1: Our deepest apologies. Our thoughts are with you. Signed The Land of the Free. I'm sorry for your children. The ones who woke up in cages, the ones shot dead in the cages. Um,
2: their... And uh, for some reason I just felt like the thing to do to give it this <laughs> sort of like, you know, this reverse kind of energy. And it was one of these things where it happened very easily and smoothly, it all, all very naturally, which is always a good sign to me when it flows. You know, when you just when you tap in and um, see what comes, and it comes very easily. And it, it really did. You know, became very clear what should happen where. You know, after we started recording, um, yeah. But that's you know that was basically the process right there. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I think as a writer, it's it's an interesting distinction to make between. Um, I guess the thought process between writing and the thought process between um, making music. Because I feel like in so frequently spoken word is meant to kind of eloquently portray a thought process or eloquently portray um, kind of commentary on the world around you. But often music is trying to portray your feelings rather than your thought process and eloquence of emotions. um, And to pair those two together can often bring an entire work together. And I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why music is so powerful.
3: I want to, you know, when I heard the poem for the first time, I was like, wow. So there is a structure holding our country together that offers no comfort. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I was basically like, let me create a pulse and a rhythm that doesn't give any comfort. And then underneath the whole thing is a muted heartbeat that we end with It's kind of a reminder that the heart is still there, damaged by that jagged, broken glass rhythm as it as it is.
6: Well, that's interesting. It definitely isn't comfortable either, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you do think about a lot of the lenses of music, and I like the way you said that, Michaela, like a lot of times we think about that in Rising Appalachia. How can we create catharsis? How can we actually like create a sound or a a show or a process that will take our audience through the trenches and then into catharsis and then into comfort and into sorrow and into wailing and into mourning and into praise, you know, and and we think about that. And and I really do find that this piece, and, and you said it some too, Chloe, is not comfortable. It's an uncomfortable piece, and the music, I would say, highlights that. The really valuable place of art, period. I mean, some is to create conversation, some is to create catharsis, some is to create discomfort, but it's (laughs) to walk on that edge to get Mm -hmm. people to think, you know, to kind of nudge them into the the process of unraveling. So Mm -hmm. that's really interesting to hear how that was put together.
3: It takes yeah. courage to face that stuff. And, uh-huh. and, you know, in our culture, there is such the entrainment, the conditioning to move away from darkness. Uh. When darkness is where you ultimately find growth, growth and light.
0: You know, back in the day when we were still tribal, there, there was always an elder council. There was always the, the older folks that you could go to to get advice to sit with, to share your struggle, to help you on your road, so to speak. And, uh, you know, that was that was the thought between Jeff and I and, and us creating this. And so I say all that to to ask Michaela. Um, you know, you, you have these elders around you. You have these two amazing women sitting next to you that you look up to. You have an opportunity right now that's very unique and may not ever come again in your life for direction or um, just encouragement or whatever. So I'm going to put you on the spot uh, (laughs) a little bit, you know, you're here with us. You can ask anything, any advice, any, anything. What, what is it that comes to mind for you just from your heart, you know, with the people that are around you, what, what comes into your head?
1: I shy away from asking something like, uh, what's your favorite um, so-and-so? What's your favorite work? Um, but rather kind of... I'm curious as an artist, you know, I've spent a lot of my time um, kind of doing poetry and and writing music and spending a lot of time with music around me. Um, I'm curious because I feel like it's so frequent to talk about the effect that music has on the listener what do you think what do you think your writing process and you specifically your own music what effect does that have on you
6: Ooh, nice what a nice flip of the script <laughs> so like what does the process of writing actually do for us internally yeah and that one to you Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> I always
5: feel so grateful to have, um, a platform rising Appalachia as a group. And, you know, I never set off to make art. That was just my voice. Mm -hmm. It was always Leah and I were sisters collaborating in our, in, in our relationship. And then we have a six piece band now and it's, Such a blessing to like have other brains to bounce things off of. And so my writing process is very much, it feels like a funneling of energy and ideas and dreams and fear and a lot, you know, that's in my body. And so that process is very much like a distillation of a lot that I have stuck on me or stuck Mm, in me. And then absolutely. You know, I have my sort of sit down by the fireplace, (laughs) get it out somehow. But then Mm -hmm. to bring it to the to a team, you know, it's kind of twofold. It's like get it out of my body into a song or a poem or into a piece of paper or a drawing, and then see what happens when it bounces off other people's brains. It feels really liberating, almost to To like, yeah, to my original voice to right. have it like join kind of a moved collective. around yeah. yeah it's really cool and you know I've also written songs that I haven't done that with that I enjoy as well yeah. they're like the original thing but having both you know I don't know if you've co-written with anyone or, or yeah. like sung or bounce ideas off people even as a writer to like kind of bounce ideas back and forth or co-write with somebody it's cool it gets it to a different place than than in your own brain, so.
6: Yeah. Do you think it makes the process more, more, because I understand the question is kind of like, what does it do to you in your catharsis? Do you think it becomes even more cathartic because it has like a second iteration? Totally. It comes in its first form and you're like, ooh, I wrote something, I got to get it out of me. And then you Mm -hmm. see it in its second form or it's like, okay, now it's had this other it's like double catharsis. Yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. And it's so healing to just write and work on art. Yeah. You know, as we Absolutely. all know for people who go in their studios or recording studios or painting studios or in your room with a journal. Yeah. The the original process of just what is in my brain and how can I get it out is like especially in these times, you know, we are in lockdown in different places yeah. and uh thank god to just work on music and songs and poems and and have that
1: um that place, that mental place to go mm-hmm. to. My writing process is um, quite erratic. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> it's um, a mixture of two a.m. poetry and half-written songs and notes and music and guitar work and singing. Me
6: too, girl. Yeah, it's absolutely.
1: Great. It's it's. <laughs> I think. The times that I least enjoy my poetry and my work is when I'm trying to mm. write a beginning, middle, and finish. Totally. When I'm trying to kind of come to this and be like, "Okay, I'm going to create something full today." Mm. Um, I think my most meaningful bits of work come out in the times where I'm just kind
6: of, if if nothing else, just feeling we're in such an interesting era where self-promotion and and sort of the 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 lens is on like i've got to produce and i'm gonna i'm gonna do a thing i'm gonna promote a thing i'm gonna right and and i think the truest creative spirit is much more elusive some people will spend a lifetime cultivating one body of work some people will find you know joni mitchell is one that I love very much who spent yeah. half of her year working in visual art and half of her year working in music and like there's so many yeah. ways to do it but like cultivating the muse is <laughs> your first priority mm. and an output can kind of come after that relationship I think there's so much power in the concept of an original voice and I also think there's so much power in the concept that there is no original voice you know, and oh, wow. and that that we are all kind of recycling ideas, and oh, you know, you start following songs and stories and instruments and concepts, and you realize the human story is so old, and and it gives you another lens. I think of strength, you mm-hmm. know, to be like, okay, I have this, I have these pressures and this original voice in me. I have found that. To be literally a bottomless wellspring of resources yeah. for creativity, you know, it's just we'll, none of us will ever be able to tap that information, and it's and it's it's sort of a a, a global human resource. So yeah. I think that's something that really brings a lot of like it brings wind into the sails of of my creativity. You know, is to like dig. And see what's been
2: done before. It's fine, but I think you know what you're saying makes me really think of like, because there is something like we do have this creative spark and we come up with stuff, you know, or we think we do. Yeah. The thing when you first come up with something before you work it out, before you like refine it, like it comes, where does it come from? But what you were just saying makes me realize that like you know a creative inspiration. Oh, I came up with this. Like, I have done that. Like, oh, I found this chord. <laughs> that you just yeah. all I gotta do is yeah. look look or, back and say, Oh well, that's like somebody about eight thousand other people found that court. It's just, you know, This <laughs> concurrent right. thing. It's like we're looking in a mirror, yeah. you know, and we're really seeing ourselves or seeing our own creativity. And it's like it is. It's all one thing. Yeah.
1: You know? It's a reminder of how yeah. natural and true everything is. Yeah. How raw it is. And yeah. Yeah. I think the hardest thing for artists these days is the idea that the most successful or the most valuable things are the things that are most consumed. Mm. Um, the oh, wow. things that people rush to the fastest, and I think that that's really not reflective of art at all. Um, if anything, the best pieces of art are things that will cause people to think or reflect or kind of go through like you were saying, a process mm. of an emotional or spiritual process
6: and maybe aren't comfortable. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely or even move
2: away from. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Things that uh, at
1: the very first um, reaction, people often try and separate themselves from because uh ultimately art is so frequently uncomfortable. In order for any type of growth to happen at all, you kind of need to find that uncomfort somewhere. Our separation from that, I think, has become damaging to the art itself and the artists.
0: You know, in talking about the muse and the and the host that's come before you, when you're tapping into that thing, you have the cumulative power of humanity behind you as you're channeling that. It's coming from everywhere. It's coming from the collective consciousness or unconsciousness, and, and you're acting as an intermediary between right. those two things and pulling it into existence. Right. And And what you've done with the piece that you wrote, particularly for me, the apology. Mm.
1: Sorry for your children your children's reality. God bless them. God bless the land of the free.
0: That part of it broke my heart.
1: From the very beginning of the poem to the end of the poem, um, there's repetition, but in... In the way it's done, it makes you wonder over and over again each time it's repeated. Those missing half their meals this week, God bless them. God bless every country. Weak in our comparison, God bless the American. And God bless all those souls on um, the edge of Is society, this genuine? And, you know, everyone apologizing on the news, um, on the TV, you know, everywhere where we see it, I'm I'm sure people are sorry about this. I'm sure that everyone who is seeing this, you know, there is this collective hurt that's going around that's kind of, nobody wants to see this kind of pain around them. Um, and in that way, there is kind of this genuine, like, I'm sorry, I don't, this isn't something that, you know, should be happening. But, At the same time, the methods which we receive that apology and the way that we are constantly exposed to this um, kind of brutal um, lens of all of the things that everyone's afraid of in the news and all of the things that everyone's um, being so hurt by, it, it makes it almost... It makes everything less genuine, I feel like.
4: Mm. Where could you offer comfort in your poem now that it's over? If somebody came to you and and this is their their weeping, these are the words that they're weeping, how would you, like, on your bosom comfort that?
1: Well, I I like that question because, you know, as a writer, after writing this poem, I kind of need to comfort myself in many ways, you know. Um, After going through this deep feeling of, like, so many things are wrong in this world. Um, how do I deal with that? You know, I feel like that's been on my mind for years and years, just growing up admits, like, just in the middle of the media, um, kind of, well, why is no one fixing this? Like, what is wrong? What What's going on? Kind of thing um, is I feel like in many ways, I've had to find ways to comfort myself and to find hope in those those kind of seemingly hopeless places and i think something that i've realized and something that i might say to someone who's kind of who would hear this poem and feel very um identify with it very closely is you know i've found especially in the past year that that hope very very rarely or i guess never ...has anything to do with what's going on around you. Oh, Oh, wow. uh, When when you're looking to find hope, you should never base your hopes in what's going on around you. I think you should base your hopes in um, kind of the truth and the goodness that you see in yourself and that you see in the people around you and that you see in the extended world, you know, um I think it's something that you really do have to find for yourself. And that comfort isn't something that you should be looking for in the outside world because ultimately you're going to find and likely abuse those methods of comfort very quickly when you're exposed to so much kind of trauma from the outside world.
6: Well said. You know, also I think something I've, I've always found really interesting is that you, you the the mental um framework of hopelessness mm-hmm. often has to do with isolation you know it mm-hmm. often has to do with being feeling so disconnected or unable to impact or the news is so big and you can't even see all the error and that Usually, if you can find one simple gesture around you in your own community to offer, be that volunteering in the community garden, be that you know working with the, uh, a homeless population, be that doing uh, you know restabilizing of a of a home that was wrecked by a yeah. storm. I mean, there's a hundred thousand ways that we can make impact because everything is so. Everything is so overwhelming. And I think so often people say it's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. I can't can't change anything. But if you can even just fix one tiny thing in your neighborhood or, you know, convince all the neighbors to to use less water when they brush their (laughs) teeth or volunteer at a local school, you know, anything that shifts you out of hopelessness because all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you have this caveat of connection. You know, and even if it is a microcosm, you know, a very, very yeah. tiny gesture. And that that to me, is this interesting hack that <laughs> like nobody talks about and we are in the media yeah, no. bombards us, just says, all of this is happening. It's all huge. It's all over the place. It's all around the world. And panic. panic. Panic, please, panic. panic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't impact any of this. In fact, you don't even see it around you. And if you can find a way, an inroad, into something within a mile or two of where you live that will shift you out of that kind of incapacitated frozenness and i think it it is it works for all of us you know and that yeah that they won't put on the media you know. (laughs) i know i
1: know that's i mean i really identify closely with what you said because that's been a huge part of um kind of how i've dealt with the pandemic is doing a lot of volunteer work and kind of reaching out in my community and um just finding those little pieces of connecting to friends and connecting to you know I've been like serving meals on wheels and Mm -hmm. like just the impact that that has is so immediate and so important Mm -hmm. that um yeah like you said I I identify with that very closely and I'm off to go do things see places I'll be volunteering for the next year um with AmeriCorps um so yeah finding hope and in volunteering, in yeah. service.
0: It gives me hope. It really does, because our human experience is wholly and totally our own, right? It, the, the world that you see outside through your eyes is yours and yours alone. It's a manifestation of your mind, your heart, your perception. And basically, we're all players in your movie. <laughs> and so if you want that movie to change... The way to change the movie is to change yourself. Yeah. And as you change, those ripples go out into the world and affect change without you even lifting your pinky finger. It's, it's vibrational. It's energetic. You're, you're doing something to the consciousness of the planet when you change your thinking.
3: Aaron, it's such a it's such a good a, a good point. You alluded to the painfulness of the process early right. on. You know, and I would submit to all of us that even if no one ever heard your poem, that poem has a positive effect because you are one more person who was courageous enough to you know allow themselves to forge that truth. And it's not easy work. I mean, we all know that it's not easy work at all. Um, it's it's what the hero's journey is all about. It's about the willingness to go into danger, into darkness, into annihilation, to bring home the goods. You know, to liberate oh, yeah. yourself. And and so, Aaron, I think you're absolutely right. And um, the and in a, in a sense, it's kind of like a, a call out for supporting art and the creative process for supporting and, and and helping people understand the validity of art and 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 music in any culture in any time in any in any place well At this first point, of all thank you yeah, to everybody
4: that. that gave time and is involved Michaela for creating this wonderful conversation and social justice art piece for Leah and Chloe for starting something new with us so this is So incredible to hear your thoughts and your opinions and um, the hope that you two have and your process. And Jeff and John, what you have done to um, start and create a platform for the youth to be heard and for us as the elders to hear them is really um, inspiring and beautiful. And I'm so glad to have been a part of it. And, um, I'm really excited for people to hear this.
0: Everybody. Thank you so much again for spending time with us and, uh, for taking the journey. This is definitely a journey that we're all on. And, um, I think if, if there's a main thought to today's conversation, I think it's, we need more connection and, uh, that's, that's where the healing begins. And it starts inside yourself, connecting with your own voice, finding it, and having the courage to use it, just like Michaela has done. And and I just want to say thank you to everybody in the room. There, uh, you're all amazing, especially to you, Michaela. You are a powerful, powerful soul, oh, and amazing. can't wait to see where you go in life, and wish you all the luck and happiness.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for this opportunity and this chance. It was really, really wonderful and meaningful. And validating. Very validating. Thank you. Our deepest apologies. Our thoughts are with you. Signed, the land of the free. I'm sorry for your children. The ones who woke up in cages, the ones shot dead in the pages of their school books, sorry. For the children who weren't quite able to escape, too afraid to start a wildfire by saying it was rape, I'm sorry for your children. The
6: ones in Puerto Rico
1: and Flint don't know where they went in the media, they were forgotten, more like dismissed, they will be missed, our apologies sorry for the black children on the wrong side of a gun couldn't stand still but wouldn't dare to run sorry for the shooter in blue sorry he had a badge too sorry for the children on the streets and those missing half their meals this week god bless them god bless every country weak in our comparison god bless the americans God bless all those souls on the edge of society, each a model for propriety, working three jobs just to survive, their needs pushed aside, and their lives lost in the shadow of their enslavers. God bless all those who are braver than I. Sorry for your children and your children's reality. God bless them. God bless the land of the free.